Hey, if you're looking to review Piaget's stages of cognitive development, go back and listen to episode 16, which is the first in this Piaget series. Today we're going to go over stage 2, which is the pre-operational stage, and if you start back with the first episode in the series, everything will make a lot more sense. Welcome to Psych Segments, all kinds of psychology knowledge in tiny segments. Hosted by your personal psychology professor and made for the psychology student or student at heart. A podcast that even your mom would approve of. Just ask Freud. So picking up where we were last time, we had gone over the first of Piaget's four stages of cognitive development. We discussed sensory motor, which is the stage that encompasses ages kind of birth to two years. Today, we're going to get into the next stage, which is the pre-operational stage. It encompasses ages two through about seven. Now, I always tell my students you can remember that it's called the pre-operational stage because it begins somewhere around the pre-school years. This stage is sometimes the most intriguing, hilarious, and entertaining stage, and that's why you see shows like Kids Say the Darndest Things or Jimmy Kimmel Has His Kids Explain segment. Kids in this stage just think differently than adults, and sometimes it's pretty darn funny. So let's start off with some of the first things you see. First of all, kids at this age are finally understanding the concept of symbolism. Symbolism means that they understand that a toy might represent a real object, like a matchbox car represents a real vehicle, or anything they scribble on paper or any of their coloring and drawings they make that actually represents, say, their family or a picture of a house. So symbolism is pretty key. Also at this stage, you see something called animism occur. Animism is where a child believes that an object or an animal has human-like qualities. This is why seeing characters at Disney World when you're five is so magical. You believe those things actually can come to life. It's also why you see kids haul around stuffed animals and say things like they're cold and cover them up with blankets or they're tired and put them to sleep because they truly believe these stuffed animals are alive. Another concept you see in the pre-operational stage is called egocentrism. This is the idea that a child who is in this stage lacks what we call theory of mind. They are unable to consider what another person might be thinking or feeling, and they only see the world through their eyes. So for instance, if a child really likes the color blue, everything he picks out for other people, say for Christmas presents, is going to be blue. It's not that he's being selfish or self-centered, he just truly believes if he likes the color blue, then everyone would like the color blue. So that's what he's going to get for them. It's also why when I watch E.T. with my kids, at the end, I cry. It's emotional, but my kids feel happy. My daughter, when she was young, would always ask me, why are you so sad? Why are you crying? It's a happy ending. But what she didn't understand is that watching the same movie or experiencing the same event may result in a different emotion for different people. Other common things you see during this stage is that a child has very little ability to think abstractly. It's one reason why they can't do calculus. It's another reason why they think a friend is pretty much anyone in their class. 
they don't have the concept of an abstract idea of what a friend is. They don't understand that a friend is really someone you care about and trust and have things in common with. To them, if you're in their class, you're their friend and you're gonna be invited to their birthday party. Also, what we see during this time is something called lack of conservation. A child in this stage does not understand that even if you change the outward properties of a substance or um, product, it doesn't actually change the amount. For instance, if you show two balls of Play-Doh to a child in this stage, they are equal in amount and they will tell you they're equal. But if you take one of the balls of Play-Doh and you roll it out to a big but very flat sheet, even though they have watched you do this, lots of times they will insist that the big flat sheet has more Play-Doh and they want that one, not the ball. They don't understand that just because something has changed in superficial appearance doesn't mean the amount has changed. It's also why if you have two children and one has two slices of pizza because they're bigger and they eat more and the other has one slice of pizza because they're small and eat less, the child who only has one piece may be upset. They'll think it's not fair. But if you go over, cut their piece in half, you can say to them, hey, now it's fair, you have two slices, and they'll buy that logic. They don't understand that the same amount still exists. All you did was change the appearance. Piaget noted that children in this age range also had a difficult time with things like impulse control and planning. And one reason is that children during this time were kind of subject to this idea of centration and perseveration. They had the tendency to concentrate on one aspect of a concept or an object to the exclusion of all others. This is why it's never a good idea to tell a four-year-old that you have a surprise for them next week. If you tell them that, they're going to have a really hard time concentrating on or thinking about anything else until the surprise actually comes. They're going to perseverate or concentrate on that to the exclusion of all other things going on around them, which is why you're going to be bugged with questions about the surprise pretty much nonstop until you give in and tell them what it is. Overall, while children are actively thinking, and Piaget recognized that children during this time period were trying to construct an understanding of their world, the way in which they do it is drastically different, especially when you compare it to an older child or an adult. This is often why it's so difficult to reason with a child. The way that they are considering that information, the way that they're looking at a problem is so different than the way we are, it's often difficult to get on the same page and help them understand why one option might be better than another. So the next time you are trying to reason with a four-year-old about why you cannot reconnect their waffle after you have cut it, or why a surprise can't happen right now instead of at the end of the day, try to consider what Piaget theorized. These children think differently, they process differently, and while different isn't always easy, understanding these concepts definitely helps us kind of get a glimpse into how these children think. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Psych Segments, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook for more psychological knowledge 
and to suggest topics for future episodes. This podcast exists so that you can survive Psych 101. Thanks for listening.